I uh, have loved this weekend with you all. Uh, it's one of my favorite times of the year to be at retreat, and to be here this weekend with you all has been a gift. I've been able to get to know several of you uh, for the first time, and some of you uh, even deeper. Um, when I was in high school, I attended Young Life, and when I would go to retreats or camps or even Young Life clubs or big city clubs, those types of things, I would always sit in the crowd, and I would wonder to myself, what would it be like to be up there and be speaking <laughs> And I would imagine myself what I would look like and that I would be pacing and I would be doing what they're doing and they're talking with their hands and they're doing all these things. Uh, and here I am for the first time and I'm not gonna be doing that. I'm gonna be right here by my note so that I don't lose track and go rogue. Uh, as I was praying about uh, this weekend and what uh, God's heart for you was, uh, I'm gonna pause there. History to retreat this year. I walked into Susan's office, I don't know, four months ago, maybe five months ago, five months ago, uh, and we were talking about life group stuff, and there was a pause long enough for me to somehow ask, do you want to speak at women's retreat? And she looked at me, and she's like, let's talk about that later. <laughs> and we just didn't talk about it again, and so we, we moved on. We started talking about life group stuff, uh, and it was a few weeks later um, I was on my way home from Costco, and I thought, like, I need to reach back out to Susan and ask her about that. Uh, met my family at the yard. We were, Andrew was doing soccer practice with kids, and I was going to Costco. We met at the yard, and I got a text from Susan, uh, and she said, hey, I was driving today, and I just wonder, were you serious about asking me about speaking at women's retreat? And I'm like, Andrew, I was just telling you that I need to talk to Susan about this, and here she is asking me about it again. Uh, and so I texted her, I said, Susan, yes. And she's like, well, I have some ideas. And one of them is, uh, and I don't remember if this was over text, but one of them was to get Barbara and Susan and Jennifer and I up here to share throughout the weekend. Uh, and so we never really talked much about what the details would look like other than the theme, the God who loves us. Uh, so we sent out that idea to the group. We got yeses from all four of us. Uh, and when we met for the first time, we all just came with what we felt like God was telling us to share. So we didn't sit around in a group and say, okay, you take this and you take this and you take this. We just took what God was laying on our hearts. And it's been fun to sit here this weekend and see how God's weaving it all together. So as I was praying and asking God, what is your heart for women this weekend? He took me to a passage in Luke. And I go to this passage in Luke and I'm like, okay, well, I, like, I know where you took me, but like, what does this mean? Uh, and so as I spent time kind of praying and preparing and thinking about my own life and God, how does this relate to me? Uh, he took me to a passage in Luke when Jesus heals the paralytic. So this weekend we've been talking about with Barbara, what happens when our life is turned upside down and how will we respond? And what happens when we, uh, when, the, when the furnace is turned up and the heat gets hot, like what will we do? And last night uh, when Jesus heals the bleeding woman, and she had enough courage and faith to reach out and grab his clothes. And he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. What God showed me in the passage of Luke was what happens if we don't have enough faith on our own to reach out. And so I'm going to read in Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 17. And you can follow along if you would like. And I also have these notes here. I have so many pages, and I don't know what this is going to look like as I go through this. So starting in verse 17. One day he was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and, 
and Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there, and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house and lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up to the roof, lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, the friend's faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And I'm picturing this, and I've spent a lot of time in this passage, so now I'm picturing all the different people in the group. I'm picturing Jesus, who is standing here. He just is getting back uh, to Capernaum, and he's in a house, and he's preaching. And there's people coming from all over, and they want to listen to him. And then there's the Pharisees are there, and they're, I assume, trying to trap him and trying to catch him. Because if he is not who he says he is, then this is punishable by death. But if he is who he says he is, then we worship him. And then there's the people who were standing outside the house. And Mark, the story says that there were so many people, there was no room. And there were so many, they were outside the doorway. And I imagine they're looking in the window and they're just trying to see as much as they can see to experience what the people in the house are experiencing. And then these four men come carrying a man on a mat. If I'm standing outside the house and I see these guys show up, I might scoot aside and let him in, but these people are not letting them come through. So the guys look around and they say, let's just climb onto the roof. If I'm standing outside the house and I see this happening, I'm going to be upset that I didn't think of that. Like, what are those guys thinking who are standing out there wondering, like, why didn't I think about climbing on the roof? Or maybe they're just really mad that they're cutting in line. But the guys who carried this man, they knew that there was nothing they could do but take him to Jesus. And they were not going to stop until they got there. So they climbed up the roof. They dug a hole, a very big hole. They lowered him down to Jesus. And because of their faith, his sins were forgiven. The story continues in verse 21. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk, but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of the crowd, grabbed his mat and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. There, there were, they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. The thing that catches me the most in that part is that everyone was amazed. That because of the friend's faith, this man was healed and the ripple effect that everyone else got to experience and see that God is who he says he is. Uh, we're called to be mat carriers. In Galatians 6, 2, it says that we carry one another's burdens. And in this way, we, f- we will fulfill God's law. We carry each other's burdens. We walk alongside each other. We pick up each other's mats. I was born into a family that seemed pretty normal. Uh, mom and dad and a brother. Uh, and it wasn't long for me to realize how unnormal and it was. Uh, my parents were 17 and 18 when they had my brother and they were 19 and 20 when they had me, Uh, and they were married for about 18 months, and it just was not working out. 
um, as I got older, I started to realize more and more of the things in my family that were not healthy. My dad was a drug addict. He got into drugs at some point in my life, and I'm not sure when, uh, but he was pretty heavily involved and was not around very much. And he left my mom to single parent us. Uh, and as I got older, I start to realize more like, oh, my mom's an alcoholic. She would spend all of our money and all of our means on more alcohol. And I would imagine she didn't love to do that, but addiction takes control. Uh, we were on food stamps and we were on Section 8 housing and we were homeless many times. We would stay in homeless, uh, not homeless camps, shelters. Uh, we would do extended camping trips. Uh, I remember one time uh, waking up in my aunt's backyard because we didn't have anywhere to go and we just put our sleeping bags out in her backyard. Uh, when I think about this time in my life and the people who came around and carried my mat, in the moment I didn't know because I didn't even know there was a Jesus who was putting people around me to carry my mat. But there were people like my teachers who were checking in with me. There were people like uh, I had a neighbor and I just remembered this story the other day like the other day being yesterday morning, um, <laughs> that we, uh, we had a neighbor who invited us to Awanas, and I don't remember anything about Awanas, but I remember the neighbor who invited us. Uh, these were just, my grandparents, they would come and fill our fridge with food and our cupboards with food. Like we had food stamps, but my mom would sell them to get cash to buy more alcohol. Uh, I remember meeting with my aunt uh, us driving down and meeting her at a gas station so she could fill up our gas tank so that we could get to the next place we were headed. Uh, these were just some practical things that people did in my life to show me Jesus. These were ways they picked up my mat and took me to Jesus before I even knew who Jesus was. Being a mat carrier means that we pursue the people in our lives. We pursue the people in our lives that we know. We pursue the people in our lives that we don't know but we're aware of. It's our neighbors and our friends and our family and our coworkers. It takes creativity. I mean, like these guys, they could have showed up to the house and said, oh, there's too many people, maybe next time. They could have showed up and just said, sorry, paralyzed man, which, can we just pause? Like, why are there so many stories that there's just the paralyzed man or the bleeding woman? Like, why don't they have names? So they could have showed up and just said, like, we don't have time today, maybe next time but they were creative and they took time and they were persistent and they knew the power of Jesus for this man who didn't have enough faith on his own. Being a mat carrier means that maybe you're just praying with someone. It's what we did last night for each other. When we go together and we take each other to the throne room, when we take each other to, to Jesus, when we don't know how to do it on our own, maybe it's inviting them over for dinner Maybe it's just going on a walk. Maybe it's just sharing life. Maybe it's just sitting with someone and saying, I see you. That's hard. I understand. Being a mat carrier is a big responsibility, and it's a calling on our lives for each other and for the people around us. My first retreat I came to, I shared this a couple weeks ago, maybe the gathering, maybe the kickoff event, uh, it was on seasons. And so there was four seasons we talked about. There was fall, spring, no, fall, winter, spring, summer. And each one of them you were kind of relating to your life. So in the fall, when things kind of just feel dead. And in the, 
in the winter or however it goes. In the fall when things are starting to die, and in the winter when things kind of just feel dead, in the spring when there's new life, and in the summer when there's just kind of this growth and you just get to experience that. Uh, and I remember showing up and looking through, and one of the things we talk about at women's ministry events a lot are like you get to let the weekend be what you want it to be. If you want to go take a nap, go take a nap. If you want to skip a session, skip a session. Like this is for you. We have things we get to offer you, but you get to choose what you want to do. And so I just took that wholeheartedly and said, great, I don't need to go to the winter season and I'm going to take a nap here and I'm going to take a nap here and I'm going to do all these things. And so when I sat down with my roommates and my friends who I came with and I told them what I was doing, they looked at me and they're like, you're not going to the winter season? And I was like, no, I don't need to do that. And they're like, this is, that's the only one you need to go to. <laughs> of all the seasons, that's the one. And they picked up my mat and they carried me to Jesus. It changed my life. Being a mat carrier takes creativity and time and sometimes tough love. It takes being willing to be interrupted. What, I mean, what Jennifer talked about last night, it takes willing to be, to offer tough love. It would be easy for my friends to say like, yeah, but for them to see something in me that I needed that I couldn't see myself, that's how we pick up our mats for each other. Being a mat carrier has a lasting kingdom impact, and we get to be part of that. The second thing I want to talk about is that we have to give ourselves permission to lay on our mat. It's, we talked about this last night. What are the things in our lives that we wish we could just reach out and touch Jesus' clothes? What are the things that we don't want people to know about? What holds us back? Giving ourselves permissions to lay on our mat, it takes vulnerability and humility and courage. It takes time to recognize some of these things in our life, but when we lay on our mat, it has a kingdom impact. And it's not just for us, but it's for those around us who are carrying our mat. Maybe it's things in your life that you're like, oh, if someone knew that about me, then they wouldn't love me. Or if someone knew that about me, they wouldn't choose me next time, or they wouldn't invite me next time, or they wouldn't fill in the blank. Maybe it's in our parenting. There's something in our parenting. I have to confess to friends often about the times that I yell at my kids for no reason, but they're being kids, and I can just kind of lose my cool. Maybe it's in our marriage. It's in our loneliness. It's in our losses. There are things in our lives that we don't want people to know about because then they have to know about them. One of the things that came up for me last night was uh, just my worth. And I'm not willing to let people know how unworthy I feel because then I feel needy and then I feel like they're going to feel responsible to make me feel a certain way and so I'm just not going to say anything to them. But what would it look like if those things that I'm hiding that bring shame, what if they brought growth? What if instead of feeling like I'm an interruption, that it was an opportunity for someone to partner with me? it was an opportunity for someone else to pick up my mat and take me to Jesus when I can't on my own. We carry a lot, and we carry a lot in isolation. And so what does it look like to give ourselves permission to lay on our mat? In James 5.16, it says, confess your sins to one another so you can be healed. And might I also add, it's confess the things that have just happened to us. It's not the things that we've done it's also the things that have just happened to us, the things that bring shame and embarrassment and unknown. When I was 13, my mom committed suicide. I didn't tell anyone about it. 
But I remember the day I was told about it. I was at my grandparents' house, and which was not an unusual thing, but it was a little bit more unusual because my dad was there. And like I said, he wasn't around often, but when he was, it either was he was clean for a little while and we were gonna get to see him, or there was something major going on in life. And this was a day there was something major going on in life and I didn't know it. Uh, so we were just hanging around, not doing much, and then my aunt showed up. And when she showed up, she showed up with a sheriff. And that's when I knew like, okay, this is weird. But I didn't have anything in going through my head that thought something happened to my mom because I had just talked with her the day before. We were planning, uh, I had a basketball tournament coming up that she was gonna be at. I was getting ready for my eighth grade promotion that she was gonna be at and we were gonna be talking about what we were doing afterwards. And so when my aunt showed up and she's in tears and I'm freaking out now because I don't know what to expect and I was told that my mom had died, I didn't know what to do. I just stood there. I, then I cried, and then I shut down. I didn't know how to process the information. My family didn't know how to help me process the information. My dad didn't know how to help me process the information. My brother is two years older than me. He didn't know how to help me process the information, so I shut down. It was almost three months before I told somebody. I had a friend or two that knew, but I didn't tell anyone about it. I didn't know how to tell anyone about it. It was embarrassing to me. So much of my life had already been embarrassing, and now there's this. Not only were we homeless and all of these things, now my dad who had left, now my mom is left. And now what? Who am I left with? It was embarrassing. When I uh, went into high school, so that was June right before my freshman year of high school. I went into high school, and I had met some friends and got involved with Young Life. And I went to my first Young Life retreat, and it was at Breakaway, and it was the October after starting my freshman year of high school. And I remember sitting in the room, and we were talking about, what is something hard going on in your life? <laughs> Nothing. You know, like, and so I just felt like, you know what? I'm in a room full of 18 people I don't know. This seems like the right time to just share some things. <laughs> So we kind of go around and everyone's taking a turn and I share about my mom dying. And you guys, it was the weirdest experience because I made such lightness out of it. It was just like, yeah, she died, I'm fine, move on. Like it was a really, really, really weird experience. And as the years went on and I kept learning how to process more and I kept learning how to share more, it got a little bit easier to share but it was still, there wasn't any weight behind it. It was just kind of like, this is just part of my life. And if I made light of it, then it wasn't as shameful and it wasn't as embarrassing and it wasn't as all of these things I'd been feeling. <clears throat> my life wasn't the worst. I grew up, I had friends, I went to church, I got to know Jesus in young life. I had, I got married, I had kids. It wasn't until 12 years after that that I went to a counselor. I, it was through marriage and having kids and having friends who were willing to pick up my mat, say like, this is some big stuff. You should go like look into this a little bit. I still went to church and I still worshiped and I still did the good things I should be doing because Jesus loves me and this is how he cares for me. 
I did struggle with through some worship songs, even one of them that we sang here Friday night. Uh, uh, I'm not going to remember the words now. Uh, but basically about God, you've been so, so good to me. And I just sit there and I think, have you? Like, could have you done this differently? Couldn't you have spared me a little bit here? And it took me a lot of years for me to get to a place to say like, okay, God, I can now see you in those moments. And there's, even, there's another song that's, you've been so, so good to me. Oh, to think where I would be if not for you. Like, I can think where I would be if not for you, and it's not a very good space. The third thing that I want to talk about is the people and the things in our life that pick up our mat help determine the destination. Is your mat being carried to Jesus? When Andrew and I were first married, um, we did not have a honeymoon phase. We got married, we drove up, so we got married in Lebanon, we drove up to Portland, we stayed in a hotel for two nights before we flew out to Mexico, so we kind of take the long, awkward drive up to the airport where we were staying, we park our car, we get our stuff in, we do the things, and (laughs) (laughs) Susan, the holy things. (laughs) We do the things and we go to bed. The next morning we wake up, we go to breakfast, we come back. I'm pretty tired. I would like to take a nap. So I do. And I wake up. I wake up and Andrew's gone. No note. He's left his cell phone and all of those childhood fears of abandonment and all of the things showed up. The things I didn't even know were there showed up and I panicked. I didn't, I mean like I'm pacing my room, I'm mad, I'm trying to figure out like what do I do? I, we just got married and now he's gone. All of the people in my life who should want to be with me are gone. And then he came back 10 minutes later <laughs> and I wish his return settled all of those feelings, but they didn't. It just entered us into a really, really hard and long year. We went on to Mexico, and we had fun, and we had a lot of really, really, really hard conversations. There was a lot of hurt, and a lot of mean things said, and a lot of trauma that was exposed. I will give some history to this, Andrew and I were dating and engaged and married within a year, so I don't know what we were thinking (laughs) when we were doing this, but some of it made sense. There was so much of our lives that we didn't even know we needed to share with each other because they weren't part of each other's lives to begin with, and yet they were a factor in our whole lives together. I'm a mix of a verbal processor and an internal processor. I want to verbally process immediately what I'm thinking just so I can then take that and internally process it to really figure out what I'm thinking. And so when all of this was going on in our first year of marriage, I had two friends that I would connect with. Uh, and, and Andrew knew, and he knew that I needed to be able to connect with people and process this life and what was going on. And so I had two of them that I would process with. One of them I would sit with, and she would pray with me. And she would listen to me, and she would pray with me, 
And she would remind me of Andrew's character and who he was and why I married him. And he would, she would remind me of God's goodness and his faithfulness. And she would pick up my mat and she would carry me to Jesus. And the other friend I sat with, she would uh, kind of agree with me in what I was saying and kind of add some fuel to the fire. I think her heart was really to support me and to see me, but it wasn't what I needed. And when she would pick up my mat, she would put me right back down where I was. It wasn't ever taking me to Jesus. It was just lifting me up in the moment and then putting me right back down where I was. You see, they both picked up my mat, and one of them took me to Jesus. And I do believe the other friend had the heart, and that was her like intent. But her intent didn't match the impact of my life in that moment. What things are carrying your mat? Who is carrying your mat? I'll confess, I'm a doom scroller. Like, if you don't know what that is, that's just when you got on your phone and you want to scroll for like five minutes and then an hour goes by, then maybe two hours go by, and you're like, this is so dumb. But in the moment, it feels good to look at other people's mess, and it does kind of lift you up a little bit. And then when you're done, you're right back where you were. It doesn't take you to Jesus. And I don't even think that social media is a bad thing. I think there's a lot of good to it, but for me, when I start doom scrolling, it's because I'm wanting to escape the realities of my current circumstances, and this is just an easy way to do it. I also don't mind a binge session. Uh, I am happy to sit down and watch a show for a very long time, like Madam Secretary. Anyone? I'm running for president when I'm 35 <laughs> after watching that show. You see, we have these things in our lives that we turn to because they're easy and they're on our own, and we can keep our reasons for turning to these in isolation, and we don't have to do it with people. But when they pick us up, they put us right back down. When we can carry a posture of humility and of gentleness for ourselves and of grace, and we're willing to lay on our mat and let people come alongside us and pick up our mat and take us to Jesus, they get to When I'm doing that, my husband gets to. We went into our first year of marriage like a wrecking ball. And I look back over the year that we had, and so much of that has given our marriage so much momentum to take each other to Jesus. Because we learned in that year, there was nothing we could do on our own. That we were not going to make it if we were not willing to take our mats to Jesus. If we were not willing to lay down and say, like, we can't do this alone. We went into counseling And I am still in counseling, and I am happy to pay her to pick up my mat regularly. I love it. Like, we need these people in our lives to pick up our mat and take us to Jesus, because when we sit here and there's so much going on in our lives and we can't do it on our own, we need the people to come around and pick up our mat. There's so many things that are pulling for our attention. There are people, and there are social media, and there may be movies, and there may be other things. Maybe there are addictions that we have, but they all don't lead to Jesus. And as we're carrying our mats, and as we're carrying each other's mats, and as we're laying on our mats, our destination has to be Jesus. If it's not, then, we're, then what are we doing? 
we're getting picked up and we're getting set right back down where we were and we're not growing and we're not transforming. When I first, when my mom died and I just kept everything to myself and I wasn't willing to lay on my mat, it wasn't until I did that I experienced the transformation of Jesus. And I had known Jesus for years. It wasn't until I was willing to just lay down on my mat and say, I need help. Regardless of where you are in this season, we all have mats. The ones we're laying on, the ones we're carrying, and we want the destination to be Jesus. And it will have a kingdom impact on not only you, but on generations to come. I think about my own life and the life that I lived, but I think about the life my kids get to live. It's not perfect. But without the people in my life way back when, when I didn't even know who Jesus was, if they were not picking up my mat, I wouldn't be here. My kids wouldn't be who they are. So when we're doing this for each other, there's a kingdom impact that lasts for generations. As we're going to head into small groups in a bit, there's a few questions in your booklet, and they're just simple. Are you a mat carrier? Are you laying down on your mat? Are you willing to lay on your mat? And who or what is carrying your mat? I'm going to pray. God, I just thank you for this weekend. God, I thank you for the spaces to be real and authentic. God, I thank you for the spaces that you've just tapped into some of us individually and just showed us what the next step is, whether that's just acknowledging, whether it's naming, whether it's um, just putting a name in someone's head of who they could go to. God, I thank you for the, uh, the sunshine we've had this weekend. When the forecast said rain, you brought sun, and we thank you for that. And God, as we leave this place this weekend, would you just remind us of the people who are carrying our mat? Would you highlight people in our lives uh, of mats we can carry? And God, would you just give us courage to lay on our mat? Would you give us courage to ask for help when we can't do it on our own? And God, would you just give us faith to do this together? In your name, amen.